I just wanted to remind them how important the culture was and when it isn't lived, what happens. We have all these lovely C words on the board, but they really don't mean anything unless you're ready to actually put them into action. Hello and welcome to the Mental Sweet Spot podcast, where we share stories, tips, and advice for coaching the mental game of softball. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by Alicia Smith and Wilma Wilson for the third installment of our series, Masterminding Our Way to Success. Today's topic is keeping the main thing the main thing, so you can avoid backtracking and keep improving. The beginning of season is fun. We're deciding on goals, making plans, and setting the tone for our culture. Everyone's excited and on board, and it looks like this is going to be the best season yet. Unfortunately, it just takes one tiny misstep to make it feel like the whole plan has gone to hell. One player being selfish, one coach not seeming to care, one bad day where everyone seems to be hangry at once. It's in these moments when we're tempted to hit the panic button, but you don't have to if you've laid a strong, steady foundation. All you have to do is keep the main thing the main thing, and that thing is your culture. Today we discuss lifting the hood for players to see why the coaching staff does certain things, including being hard on them, letting the players share how they prefer to be coached, what to do when the team isn't living their culture, helping players and ourselves keep perspective, and how to show players you care about them as people first, even if it's uncomfortable for you. Stay tuned to the end for your coaching challenge, but for now, let's get going. All right, well, why don't we start with you? Catch us up. How's the team doing? All right, well, we're six games into our season and um, big regrouping, rebuilding year for us. So, you know, some things have gone well. We've had a uh, really good comeback in a conference game to win, which gave us, uh, I think, some good needed boost of confidence. And we played in a tournament Saturday and we did some good things. And we also came up a little short, I think, on communicating on the field and things like that. And we had a big powwow today just to discuss kind of what's going on, what we need to work on and how to move forward in a better direction. And, um, you know, I think the kids are still all on the same page, just realizing that we need a little bit more leadership. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense, especially early in the season. Correct. Um, so what was the powwow about? Kind of take us through what you covered. Yeah, well, we went through, um, you know, I started with some things, talked about some some of our C's and, um, you know, some of our culture, and then just, you know, kind of talked about how we, uh, I've always used CCC, but that was always calm, cool, and collected, and I think we lost that a little bit on the field. You know, I mean, in other articles, it's called, what, concentration, um, confidence, and... I'm not sure what the other C always is. It's mixed in different articles. But, you know, basically we talked about how we had some breakdowns. You know, we played five games in less than 24 hours. So I think, you know, we talked about how we were mentally and sometimes emotionally spent. And we talked about how important it is when we lose focus, how to get focus back, and what are some things that do make us lose focus. Um, that was a big concentration on it. You know, we ran through some of the things in the committed program and, you know, basically the kids were very open. Um, they loved the discussions and they loved talking about their feelings and, you know, some of the things we let them air out if they had some pet peeves, you know, against the coaches and, you know, because we didn't want to feel like we were judging them all the time. And, you know, we just discussed the whole big picture where we want them to be at the end of the season and kind of why we do what we do and, you know, so they can be on the same page and, and not feel uh, attacked or anything like that when they just get challenged a little bit. 
Oh, absolutely. That is so important. I think so many things go assumed or like, ah, they just, they know the way it is. It's, it's a coach thing. Like we expect a lot and they expect us to be hard on them, but it is so eye opening to these players to realize where you're coming from. Yeah. What were some of the things that you as the coaching staff shared? Well, um, you know, we talked about, I just really put the words pet peeves up there. We had one of our outfielders, you know, show up without her sunglasses on a sunny Saturday. Um, you know, we had a girl, you know, on her phone in between games, you know, so we, we listed a couple of pet peeves that we as coaches had just that we think that that takes away from the commitment of the game. And, um, you know, then we let them shout out some of the things that they, you know, thought, bothered them you know basically same concept of of how the coaches acted we wanted to make sure that you know it was fair game that they had input into the conversation and and that you know we're very open to learning and adjusting just as much as we expect them to learn and adjust not so true and it is fair <laughs> like i'm sure we it do is. things that bother them too exactly so curious. i mean mm-hmm. don't throw your assistants under the bus because they're not here but yeah <laughs> anything come up that they they called you out on um not per se. No, not so much. Um, like I said, you know, yeah, we, we just all have a different plan of attack and, and one of the assistant coaches, and he'll be the first one to admit it. He's gruffer and he, you know, he'll say, uh, you know, you need to not hold it personally. I just sometimes say what I think you need to hear. And, um, you know, it was good for the girls just to hear him say that out loud. And, you know, I said, Hey, you know, he's, he really gets over it fast because by the time he's done, instructing you he's probably instructing someone else and you might still be feeling bad about it but he's over it so you just need to go on you know take take what the information is and um, try to learn from it and go on yeah for sure like the girls may be receiving it as judgment but for him it's just straight instruction correct Mm -hmm. correct yeah one girl said nicely well I think it's better if we just listen to your words than listen to your tone (laughs) <laughs> which I, so, I thought i thought that was very informative good job so diplomatic uh-huh. of her <laughs> yes yes was very well put i'm curious your perspective on this alicia like the first time i watched alicia coach full disclosure i was like whoa she's intense <laughs> like emotion on her sleeve she will let you know when you are not doing something that is uh, <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing what are uh some ways you've gotten through that with your girls i mean the nice thing is with you guys you've been with your programs long enough that the older girls can be like hey like it's cool but every once in a while there's gonna be someone who's like oh is she mad at me right yeah from from my experience with my kids it's always been the very first time that i ever get yelled at by me is the same experience for all of them <laughs> um they're scared to death um some said one girl even said I peed my pants a little like but but what they what they do is like they go back in the dugout and the kids all support them right away and and then I'm over it you know very quickly so I will go up and and just kind of go ahead and make sure that I still that they still kind of understand what I'm trying to tell them or coach like for example um one of my players uh young players this on Saturday got picked off at third right after I just said, don't get too far off third base. You know, I just always use the third baseman as a guideline. I don't get any further off than third baseman in this situation. And she was probably five or six steps past the third baseman and was picked off at third. Mm-hmm. And she, and I was scree- screaming, get back. And I said her name really loudly. <laughs> 
and she's a freshman and she said, sorry, coach. When she stood up and I put, I put my arm on top of her helmet and I said, it's okay. Don't apologize. Just learn. And then (laughs) she went to the dugout. So I think it's just that very first time, like, and they figure out very quickly that, that, um, that's just me. And it always follows with, you know, a tap on the helmet or just to say tap on the back to say, it's okay. Just make sure that, you know, ABC or, or, or make sure this is what you see and learn from it. Um, but yeah, I am pretty intense when it comes to some of those things. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that. That emotion is so fun to play with and for, but I think the difference between the way you do it and the way that like tends to spin out of control for coaches is a, like whenever you're yelling, it's based on <laughs> like something controllable that mm-hmm. they should have or could have done better. Mm-hmm. And B, you always follow it up with a teaching moment. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes you got to let it sit a little bit for it to sink yes. in or you're busy <laughs> calling the next player, doing the next thing. Right. But I have never experienced you like letting them simmer too long and like wonder what you're thinking. No, I can't do that because if rules are reversed, I hate that. Like, you know, for me personally, like, what are they thinking? Why are they mad at me? Like, oh my gosh. So I just want to make sure that they know that um, it, it is just that intensity and, and the expectations of those controllables and um, the, the teaching moments are really critical to follow it up with. And um, it happens as, as soon as I can. Like you said, sometimes it's a half inning later, but it always happens. And that's just kind of my, my personality and my style, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and I think it's just important. Like you said, Alicia, to just follow up, whether it, mm-hmm. like you said, it's a half inning or the next time you go in the dugout or whatever, you just pull them aside or, you know, think of something positive that they have done and just tie it in the, all in together so that they don't wonder if you're hating their guts basically. Right. Because I've, I've seen, especially early in my career where, that's exactly what happens. There's a downward spiral if you don't follow that up and um, they will not, they will not think about anything else uh, the entire game other than what, what you just yelled at them three innings ago. Yeah. Then you lose them for the whole game. You do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perhaps longer. Yes. Occasions, which is really sad because you're like, Oh no, I didn't mean that. Yeah. So I'm curious, Wilma. So if he is the more like direct, Mm -hmm feedback giver what's your style well I am I am not a yeller I am an instructor I am a teacher at heart um but I'm I'd have to be really bent out of shape I think to really yell on the field um just because it like Alicia said in her personality it would bother me I'm kind of a people pleaser and if somebody was screaming at me I would feel very offended you know so I always try to be a little bit more on the compassionate side even though you know, I want them to learn from it. And, you know, with me having three coaches, it is very nice. I'm kind of the bench coach. So, you know, even if there's some harsh instruction on the field, when they come in, I can follow up very quickly, very fast with a little, Hey, I know you were trying, but do you understand, you know, what he said and why he said it, do you understand what you needed to do differently and what he's trying to teach you? So, you know, that's, that's very nice. I can, I can be like the, uh, the, the little comfort zone now. Yeah, I've heard that before. Like, gotta play good cop, bad cop, and it always pissed me off because I was like, <laughs> I'm not a bad cop, and I'm not gonna make any of my decisions a bad cop. Right? But I do get the balance. Yes, yes, it does. Everybody brings a little something different to the table, 
So, you know, the two of us are a lot calmer and, you know, I don't know, I guess I think as I aged, I've definitely changed my approach a little bit too. You know, I think that I was definitely a little more intense when I was a little younger and have, you know, number one, kind of given up that reins a little bit because I'm not necessarily coaching a base so much, you know, and a lot of the other stuff is just things that you can control when they're back in the dugout. Well, awesome. I love, I love talking coach dynamics and especially like owning your own coaching style. So I think it's really cool to hear the different styles. I was more like you, Wilma. I think my, my reason for not yelling though was because I was analyzing. Oh, <laughs> I, was, gotcha. I was in my head thinking about the next play. So that's yeah. interesting to see how everyone's styles play out. Yeah. Um, I'm more about really not um, demolishing the kid's confidence and the kid's mm. whole perspective, you know, because it is, if it is just an, an short instructional moment, it just, especially girls, they just, they take it so harshly and they, you know, you want them to be a little tough, which is fine. Um, but at the same token, you know, that they, they, they can really get down on themselves pretty fast. They're pretty good direction followers. And so if you're yelling and screaming at them, they, they can sometimes spiral, like you said, and, um, that's really the last thing that I want to do is lose anybody emotionally, you know, for the rest of the game or worse. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious before I go on to, sorry, Alicia, I want to hear about your team's updates too. So talking about that spiral, I'm wondering, cause you said you had what, five games in a day. <laughs> we had five games in 24 hours. We played a doubleheader Friday night, got done 10 o'clock and we had played at 10, 12 and two on Saturday. Yeah. So, you know, not much turnaround, not much rest. And early in the season, we'd only played one game before that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and the kids admitted today, you know, hey, coach, by the third game, you know, I, yeah, I was tired. And, you know, it, it was a long 24 hours and I was having a hard time focusing. You know, we had one kid who had a few errors and I, you know, I just said, hey, you know, let me know what was going on for you mentally and emotionally at that time. You know, I know sometimes when you make one error and she got yelled at, then came another error, then came another error, you know? So, um, you know, I think I said, our goal is to to definitely try to reach all of your different learning styles as well as, you know, understanding what, you know, some kids you can say certain things to and some kids you can't. And, you know, so I said, you know, our job is to just to keep trying to figure that out. But I was really pleased with how honest the kids were today mm-hmm. and, you know, how much they were information they were willing to share about, you know, how they like to be coached and how they don't like to be coached and, and you know, different things like that. So I, it was good. Yeah, that feedback is huge. Mm-hmm. All right, Alicia, how is your team doing? Give us the update. Um, well, we, we played our first doubleheader on Thursday, um, and it wasn't pretty, uh, and it wasn't, and what I'm talking about was, it was not from a outcome standpoint. Um, it was just simply the culture. The culture was not being lived on the field, um, from the entire team, from the start to the finish. Um, we ended up splitting the doubleheader. Um, but I think the thing I was the most frustrated with and disappointed with was the the lack of the team living their culture. So on Friday, that was the first thing we talked about and addressed as as an entire team. Um, I actually separated my team from the field. Uh, we took a walk and took our notebooks and kind of sat down and, and really had, a I guess, a heart-to-heart talk about the culture and the words that they had put forth that were really important to them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and one of their words is united. And um, that was something that I asked if they felt they were, and they all said no. Um, and I could see it in their face. I could see it in their play. I could see it in the dugout on Thursday. And, you know, we just went through all the words, you know, fearless is another word. And we got wristbands this year that say fearless. And we just talked about all of it. And I had asked them at the end of this, at the end of Thursday's game to do some self-reflection on what they could do better um, to help the team. And I said, it's not, what can the team do better? I said, what can you personally do better to help the team? And I did not ask them to share that personally during that, that team talk, but um, I think I just wanted to remind them how important the culture was um, and when it isn't lived, what happens. Um, that you don't feel united, you're not having fun, you're frustrated, you're all these things um, that kind of came out on Thursday. So uh, after I was done talking, I, I let them have some time and they discussed, uh, I'm not sure what actually, but you know, they had some time to discuss whatever they needed to either get out, vent or, or come together with. And I said, when you're ready and you come onto the field. So I'm willing to sacrifice practice time when stuff like that comes up. Um, because I, again, I just reminded them that those were the words that they said were important to them. So when they're not, when they're not living them, I'm going to make sure that they, they know and how it relates directly to the outcome. So, uh, after they were done talking, they came onto the field and had the best defensive practice they've had all year. They were communicating the best they've ever had. Um, they were supporting each other unbelievably. Like, so it was like this light switch. Um, so I pulled them in after that was over and I said, look guys, I'm really, really proud of you. I said, did you feel united? And they're like, oh my God, that felt so good. And you could just see relief on their face too. And I think that that's when those light bulb moments come on where you're like, you really understand now how important this is. So we continued the practice and then went into our Saturday tournament. We played uh, three games and won, won all three and were the quote unquote turn, tournament champions. So um, at the, I mean, we had a good game where we fought back. We weren't panicking. They were uh, loud in the dugout. They, they played really good defense. They were uh, all over the place. They were fearless. They were kind of living those words, especially united and fearless. I would pick out of both of those. Determined is another one. And I think that that's kind of what they were that day. And, and um, at the end when, you know, we, we got the plaque and I told them how proud I was of them. Um, it had nothing to do with the outcome. And I, I, I hammered home the culture and how important that was. And that I asked them, did you feel like you live these words and like, Oh yeah, for sure. I said, when these things happen, you guys play, you play like you're having fun, you play loose, you know, and you're just enjoying yourselves. And that's really when you play your best and the outcome takes care of itself. So, um, I was so proud of them for making the choice. And I think that that's what the key part of, the discussion was for me that they had choices to make on Thursday and they had choices to make on Friday and they had choices to make on Saturday. And when, when they do really make that concerted effort to, to live that culture, um, they just have fun. I know we talked a little bit, Alicia, and not to dig too much into the whole story, but the gist of what was happening during the week on Thursday before Friday was that there was just some behavior that was being self-centered let's put it that way, from everyone um, getting wrapped up in analyzing teammates and what's going on here and what's going on with that person. And I think that is huge to bring their attention to it because I don't think 
anybody when they're called out is going to be okay with being (laughs) self-centered, at least not on team atmospheres like this. So I think it really showed the importance of team unity as like fluffy and soft as that sounds (laughs) like it's a real thing like that one issue where they weren't quite united and weren't quite playing for each other tore down all of the other culture words that they had come up with. So I think it was really cool that they banded together and it's not like you needed to make them like pronounce what they were going to do for the team, but getting them to think about it was the key. Right. And I think that um, reverting it back to the words that they created in the first place, we also talked about the actions that they had said that were important, right? So I said a, a word on a bracelet doesn't mean anything. The words in front of your notebook don't mean anything. What matters is the action that you bring every single day. So um, you, the great news is you have an opportunity to fix it and you know what it looks like. So, you know, it's your choice kind of thing. So, you know, when you kind of put that on the line for them, it's it's really, there's it's their season. I always tell them it's their season. It's It's your district championship. It's your conference championship. It isn't mine. So I think that, that when you really take ownership of those things and you can really stress the actions that, you know, kind of work towards and roll up towards those big goals, um, that, that can be really helpful for those kids to, to really think about what can they do differently. So we had a similar thing today too, like with the kids, they had to go around and say, you know, Um, one good thing that they did and something that they needed to work on. And then, you know, we talked literally like you did, Alicia. And, and, you know, we said we have all these lovely C words on the board, but they really don't mean anything unless you're ready to, you know, actually put them into action. So we can write them all over. We can make T-shirts that say committed. um, But, you know, if we're not really willing to let our actions display that, then the words really mean nothing exactly it's that living it every day that we talk about and it's not easy because as a coach you gotta almost like force yourself away from all the little fundamental details and the planning and pay attention for for all of these cues that that culture is not being fully lived so i'm curious guys with the culture so far i feel like both of you guys have had have had really good teaching moments what do you think has been the best almost like teaching strategy for pulling the culture words out, pointing them out when they do them well, or kind of redirecting them when they're not doing it? Um, I don't know that it's so much as an action as it is for me. Like I can just relate it more to today and just giving them, putting it the ball more in their lap, you know, presenting questions to them that they had to, you know, that they had to think about, you know, why were you not motivated in the third game? You know, why was your motivation low? You know, a lot of putting the ownership and the actions in their lap and them having to come back with, well, this is why I think I was acting this way. And this is why I was thinking I was doing that so that they could do some good self-reflecting and understand that it's, you know, a choice for them. We talked about that today too, that, you know, you, you have to, you have to learn yourself and then you have to be able to make adjustments and you have to be able to make changes, especially if you want a different outcome. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that self-awareness piece is way more difficult than we think Mm -hmm. as coaches. Mm -hmm. I brought in the, the tradition 
I think of Madeline softball and the program because we talk about the program a lot and how important it is to so many people and how big the program really is. And we talk about former players and parents and coaches and, and everyone that, you know, present and past, um, that's been involved in the program. And I said, um, there's a lot of, I, I told the girls on Friday, there's a lot of girls that have hundreds of girls that have worn this Jersey before. And that means a lot to them. And, and I said, you know, guys, I, I feel like if they were watching that game, they might've been embarrassed. I said, and that, that should say something because what's really important is that, that when you put on that uniform, it is all about what's on the front and you were not only represent, you know, me and your school and your teammates and your parents, you represent a program that is so, um, so important to so many people that's what's really, really important that you guys understand that. So um, I brought that in. And I think for me, being being here for so long and in, in this program meaning so much to me, I think that's also important for them to know and hear from me. Um, sometimes I only need to say it once a year. I, sometimes it comes out every once in a great while. But I think when you really truly belong to something that's bigger than yourself, um, you can realize how important your actions are. Yeah, and just to piggyback off that, today my athletic director had some extra purple and gold balloons in his office, and I took the kids out of the gym, and we met in, in the conference room next to his office. So once they were all in there, I came in with the purple and gold balloons, our school colors, and, you know, we talked and visited about that as well and just said, you know, this this is who you're playing for. This is why you're playing, and that it's a privilege for you to play. And, you know, we talked a little bit about how, you know, we have kind of a target on our back. Anytime you do well, everybody wants to beat you and that, you know, nobody's going to let up and, and feel bad about, you know, beating us down, you know, now that we're regrouping a little bit and things like that. And, you know, how do you guys want this year to be for you at the end? Um, so, you know, I, I think it is important, like you said, Alicia, to tie it to something bigger. And I always share with them how much I love and respect the game and that, you know, part of the reason that I coach and teach is just because I want to see the game get the love and the respect that it deserves. And when people don't give it their all, that it, in my opinion, is disrespecting the game. Yeah, 100% agree. I am a big proponent of respecting the game. I think it's so important for just everything you do. And I think it ties into like a word I wrote down when you guys were both talking. All those examples take me back to your giving them the gift of perspective mm -hmm. perspective on what's going on in their own heads perspective on the bigger picture perspective on how their actions are affecting others perspective on the fact that the game is bigger than you and i think that is one of the most powerful tools a coach has and i think you guys are using it really well so shout out props to you guys that is awesome <laughs> in my good and bad when we went around the room I I made my all the coaches did what they thought they were doing good as well and what they needed to work on as well and and my good was that I felt like I try every year all during the year to try to keep that perspective um, you know that it is a game but in the same sense it's so um, reflective of the game of life and just you know, you're going to have to get along with people. You're going to have to learn to make adjustments. You're going to have to be self-reflective. You're going to have to be unselfish. Um, you know, so just 
I try to keep that something that's in the forefront, you know, as we go through the entire season. Again, it's not about the wins and losses. Those usually take care of themselves if you can take care of all the other business. What are some things that you actually do to keep yourself on that path of keeping your perspective and not falling into the rabbit hole in the weeds? Yeah, well, um, you know, time to time I'll bring in, like Alicia talked about, ex-players. You know, especially now when college starts getting over and I have players that are coming back. And so I'll always give them the opportunity to speak to the kids. Um, I recently had one of my catchers um, who was still who's a junior this year for me, but in December heard her game, heard her shoulder in a basketball game and was told that she was going to have to have surgery and miss softball. And she was just a basket case. And so, you know, one of my reflections today was for my catcher to speak about how important it is for her to even have the opportunity to play. And when, how distraught she was when she thought that opportunity was taken away from her. And now that she decided not to do surgery and did physical therapy instead all winter, she is able to play. So um, she's very grateful and very thankful and very reflective of that. That's awesome. And I'm happy for her. God, yes, injury is too. so tough. I hate yes. injuries. I'm such a great kid. So oh, I love that. Good. Well, you kind of gave another tip for like helping the girls keep perspective, but have you ever found that you yourself started to lose perspective? Oh yeah, sure. And again, I think that comes with so many years of doing it that you become a little calmer. You become a little bit, um, for me anyway, you know, just a little bit more about, you know, when you think back and we talked about this today, when you guys think back, I don't think you're going to remember too many specific games, but you're going to remember, you know, we ride on the sharp bus. You're going to remember that you're going to remember the relationships that you had, you know, you're going to, you're going to keep in touch with those people on that personal level about, you know, your teammate. And so, you know, just trying to keep that fresh in their minds all the time too. And, you know, honestly, at least once a week, we will talk about how the year goes so fast and the four years go so fast and, you know, not to take it lightly that you have this opportunity to play. Yeah, that's so true. And I found myself doing that too. Like even like with the assistant coaches or even just coming home to my husband and just talking him through it, like making myself, remember and appreciate and be grateful for all the little things so I didn't get wrapped up in all the details or in what else I could do or what we were going to do next (laughs) so I think that's huge and and I had a lady today from the MHSAA I don't know why but she she came and did an interview with a couple of my kids today just to do a little spotlight and then I didn't know she wanted to interview me, but she interviewed me at the end. And she's like, oh, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years, then 32 years all together. And she's like, why do you keep doing it? You know, your daughter's done and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ah, it's a no brainer for me. I, I only have, you know, literally one answer. I do it because of the kids. You know, I, I, I can't even tell you because she said, what's, what's when some memorable games? And I'm like, well, you know, there's some from last year that are pretty fresh in my mind and because we did so well, but honestly, it's, it's just, having a kid that played for me 20 years ago come back or having a second generation kid on my team and you know just watching each kid's growth throughout the season is is really the most important to do it yeah that's awesome oh great perspective giver how about you Alicia what are some things you do to keep your perspective 
I think very, very similar to Wilma. Um, I have a lot of my kids that have graduated and gone on that still communicate, you know, with me. Um, and just hearing some of the things that they either miss about the program or learn from the program is really when I just take a step back and say, these kids, whether they have it in their minds now or, or, or have got it now, they will. Um, and that's, that's what's so cool. I, you know, the letters that you get or the, the speeches, sometimes I'll go to their valedictorian speeches. They all have to write one to seniors. And sometimes the softball players talk, you know, mention their coach, you know, and how important, you know, that that role model was them was for them. And when they talk about you like that, it really, it really makes you kind of realize what impact you're making, even though, you know, right. It's just like, you hear it from these kids in all different ways and it's all the time. And it doesn't matter if they're just graduating high school or, or you know, I got a Facebook message, I, I'd say six months ago from a player I haven't spoken to in maybe 10 years. And she just told me all the things that she learned from me and, and thanked me for. And I was like, Holy cow. Like I would have never known, like you just don't know sometimes, but I think your impact and in, in outreach is so enormous. That's why you keep coming back and that keeps in perspective. So at the end of the day, when you lose a game, it doesn't matter, right? These kids are, are your kids for life. And I think that that's what's so freaking cool about this job. You get to you get to talk to so many kids, you know so many parents, and then you get invitations to their weddings. And before you know it, they're having kids. And I haven't quite yet reached the second generation, but <laughs> it's coming, you know? So I think that's what's so cool when you see their their families grow and, and into these awesome people. And they're doctors and lawyers and you know, yeah. teachers and stay-at-home moms and all sorts of amazing women. And I think that's what's so cool. Agreed. That is awesome. And I am so sad. I coached for a good amount of time, but the longest I was out of place was three years. So I'm like, oh, I miss my girls. They're <laughs> from everywhere though. <laughs> um, so what are some tips for people like me? If I go back and I want to cultivate this culture that really expands beyond the field. What are some things you guys do to build that relationship with your girls in the way that doesn't sound like, Oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Or like, I don't want to listen to what they did with their boyfriends and girlfriends. Like <laughs> what are some ways that you guys build that relationship with high expectations and high support? No, I think for uh, me, it's definitely just a connection. You know, if, um, I notice the kid's not feeling well at practice or if something specific happens at practice, I'll shoot them a text later. You know, um, I'll keep in touch with them the whole year instead of just the three months that I have them as a softball player. Now, you know, every once in a while, I don't know who's going to be on my team, but you know, I think it's important that you do connect with them on their whole life. You know, what their ambitions are just different things. Even if it does include talking about their boyfriends, sometimes, you know, I think it's important that they know that you care about them. Um, not just as a player, but as a person, and you're not just in touch with them for three months out of the year. Um, so for me, that's, that's a kind of an easy one. I like to talk to kids and, you know, I like to keep in touch with them. And, um, you know, I think that's just really huge on them trusting you and understanding that you do care about them. Yeah, I would agree with Wilma. Uh, Wilma and I are a lot alike, I think, in those ways. And, you know, I care deeply about my players. I have no problem telling them that. Um, I, I think, but it's again, just like the culture, I think it's the action too. So, um, 
if I know something's going on or think something's going on, I'll follow up with them and ask them, you know, how they're doing. Um, I've taken some long walks with some kids before I've pulled kids aside in practice. Um, you know, sometimes they just need a shoulder to cry on. Um, it's, it's just really making sure that they truly feel like you care about them as a person first, the player second, and it isn't always easy. And not every kid wants to open up, you know, to you like that as a player. And that's totally okay. You know, I always tell, tell those kids, it's okay if you don't want to open up to me, you know, I just, I still care about you as the same. So, um, that cultivates that trust just to, to always show that you care about them deeply. And I think that's just like Wilma, I stay in contact with my kids year round, uh, even before and after, you know, high school, um, they know that I care about them in, in those ways too, and always making sure they're just okay. And anytime I have to have a conversation with them, if they're not performing on the field, I always first start with, I just want to make sure everything else is okay. You know, outside of softball because almost always there's something else going on. It might be school. It might be a boyfriend. It might be something at home. Um, and you know, some kids open up and some don't, but at a bare minimum, if you can tell them, uh, I'm here for you, no matter what, even players that have, you know, unfortunately quit the program. I said, Hey, I respect your decision. If you ever need anything, I'm still here for you. So I think that that's just what's really important to let, let them know that you care about them. Yeah, and I think our longevity helps too, Alicia, you know, just in the community and that everyone mm -hmm. knows that you've been in the same program for so long, obviously, you mm -hmm. love it, you know, right. and, you know, then you get the community on board and, you know, I think that, that that helps set a nice tone for the kids that are coming in as well. I agree. You say, obviously, you love it because of your longevity, but it's not obvious with every person. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with that too. There are plenty of people like, why do you still do this? <laughs> That's true. That is true. So don't sell yourself short on that one. Um, so I'm thinking now of like a couple of coaches I know, even some of my personality, like I'm not quick to open up to people. Uh, it takes me a while. I wasn't good at connecting with my players right away. And I can't wait to get better at that. <laughs> even reach out to them now. What are some tips for people like me or coaches who maybe have had a bad experience, uh, like getting close with a girl and then having it backfire for whatever reason, or just feeling unsure about like building relationships with other people? Maybe that's just the coach who's like, I just want to sit here and like get some drills done. And I want to tell you what's wrong with your swing. Like <laughs> there's lots of coaches like that, but this stuff is so important and you can't miss out on it. What are some tips to help give some of those people like a baby step, something small to just connect? You don't have to have a deep, wonderful relationship right away, but you need to connect and open up in some way. So what are some of your tips? I would say you can, you can, if you're a high school coach or a travel ball coach, even a college coach, right? You can always ask how's school going. You know, that's one of the first things you can talk about. Um, as as high school coaches, we have access to, you know, the the kids that might ne be needing help academically. That's a, another easy conversation to have. You can just start talking about, hey, I noticed that you're not doing so well in chemistry. You know, is there something I can do to help? You know, maybe maybe you were really good in chemistry, you know, in college or something, and you you just have some some knowledge or something that you can share with them, and just starting to open up uh, any conversation that has nothing to do with softball. 
I think is where it just where you can start, where you can have something or find something in common that you can talk about. Maybe you both have dogs. I mean, it can really be simple, but that's really how it starts. Yeah, I agree that it's you have to share parts of you in order for them to feel comfortable most of the time sharing parts of them. Mm -hmm. um, with us, for example, here's an ironic thing. Today we were talking and I'm big on communication with my team. And I said, okay, so I'm com communicating to you that I'm going to miss practice Monday because I'm going to drive to New York to visit my son. And they're all like, oh my God, you have a son. I forget <laughs> that you have a son. And, you know, I mean, he's 27 and, he, you know, he's not around here and he's not in high school anymore where, you know, those teams all knew my kids, you know, but it's, it's kind of funny. And I just kind of chuckled them and I was like, yeah, you guys just think that we just come to the fields for four hours every day. And then, you know, that's all we do with our lives. You know, I said, we do have a life outside of here, you know, but things that I'll share with my team is, you know, um, I'll bring my dog to practice sometimes. Oh my gosh. I love that. I have raised, I currently have three baby raccoons in my house that I'm raising, you know, so I'll, I will tell them stories about those things. Possums, they know that I love animals and that I take in baby animals and raise them. And just stories that you can share about your own life, whether it's present or past, that I think gives them a comfort zone to open up, you know, as well. And like Alicia said, I think it's better if it's not necessarily softball related. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, my, I share a lot with my, my daughter's nine. So I'll be like, guys, you know, my daughter downloaded Snapchat on her iPad and she's only <laughs> nine. Like, what do I do? Like, just kind of joke around with them like that. And, you know. Yeah just well, they get oh my gosh she did that how did she do that and I said I don't know and I gotta investigate so it brings up a good good laugh and a good conversation too so then they start telling me things that I need to pay attention to and avoid in the near future <laughs> and that yeah. scares me then it's a good chuckle <laughs> we move on to breakfast. right well yeah there's that uh there's that f word and then when I say that I mean the fun word you know yeah yes, we of course fun we had a day like today um when we had five inches of snow. I remember a couple of years ago, we had almost an exact day like this in April. And we literally, I brought mittens to practice and we made snowmen. That's awesome. You know, we just said, Hey, I need all this snow off the field. So we'll start with small balls and we'll roll it all the way across the field until we have these. And they had these <laughs> massive balls that they couldn't even stack, you know, right. the middle section on top of the top section or whatever. You know, my real goal was to get the snow off the field. But, oh, my God, it was, like, the best practice ever because that's all they did was had fun. Like, they were, you know, eight years old about making right. a snowman. You know, and just giving them opportunities to be silly. We play marshmallow dodgeball several times a year, which is, like, the most awesome game. And um, you buy those big campfire marshmallows, you know, just draw a line in the sand, and you just start playing. And it's, it's, it's like, super fun. So I think they need breaks like that to realize, you know, that – you can have fun and you can play with them and you can have fun with it and just fun with different things and really helps them open up too. Yeah. I as well had a light practice today too. And, uh, we just got a brand new sound system installed. So the kids were uh, really excited to hear it. So I let them listen to music while they did their hitting today. So they were out nice. there dancing and just having a grand old time. So I just, you know, those are times when it's okay. Let, you know, for I'm super rigid sometimes when it comes to gotta focus, gotta focus, but just let them kind of have some fun today and, and be light and relaxed and things like that really go a long way too. Yeah. And my kids today even shed light on that. I was doing a few of the, we did one of the committed things and we were dealing with motivation and stuff like that. And they all said, you know, I, 
yeah, it's we're focused, focused, focused. And, you know, when we want, when we need to be motivated, sometimes we just need a mental break. We just need uh, a, a, a chance to cool down, calm down, and then we can go back at it again, you know? So that was, I thought, good insight on their part that they were willing to share with me. Yeah, it's great insight. For sure. I think a ton of adults need that lesson too. Those little, little breaks. Like you can't just keep grinding. You need a little break sometimes to refresh and restart. Exactly. And that is a wrap on today's episode to help you keep perspective like we've just been talking about. Today's coaching challenge is to keep the main thing the main thing. You've heard of the phrase, I'm sure, but it's not so simple. Our challenge to you is to zone in on what that main thing is for you. What is this team's culture? What's going to take this particular group of girls as far as possible this season? Write that down in big, bold letters in the middle of the paper and draw a circle around them. Now think about all the other things that happen within the season. What are things you have to do to keep the team running? All those little administrative things you got to do. Or what do you have to do to develop each player? What does each player need mid-season? Maybe you need to make sure you're communicating. And what other things always tend to come up mid-season? Whether it's a dance or a school assignment or something else. All of those go outside the circle. Now, whenever you feel yourself getting caught up in the things outside the circle, you'll know it's time to regain perspective. How you do that is up to you. When you do focus back on the main thing, you'll be able to enjoy the job again because that main thing is the best part of coaching. If you want to learn more about how we can help you keep the main thing your primary focus, we do it with the Dream Team Blueprint. To grab the blueprint for yourself for free, simply head to mentalsweetspot.com and check it out. That's it for today. Thank you again for joining us. We'll see you next week with another episode.